dear lord thank you for today thank you for the last saturday for the last day in the year 2022 thank you for this year for every single person right here on this call and perhaps listening to this recording uh regardless of what may have transpired this year whether positive or not i thank you because one thing is sure that you have been faithful i thank you for testimonies i thank you for answered prayers i thank you for prayers we are yet still waiting on for answers i thank you for the lessons we've learned this year i thank you for everyone here because indeed you love us i thank you even for uh journey through the epistles this year through the many teachings and the many lessons and the many testimonies and lord i thank you because indeed our lives are better as a result i pray that even one last time this year as we go into your word as we wrap up second thessalonians i pray that there is clarity i pray that the truth of your word rings out in our hearts and i pray that we are able to apply the lessons that your word teaches us even beyond today there is no confusion there is no contradiction and you are glorified in your word in jesus name amen 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 once again uh welcome to the last uh teaching for this year it's been it's been a good year it's been a long year um some of us joined this year so that's 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 cool uh we think this year we started off with philippians and then we went into first corinthians and we pretty much parked there for several months before god said you have been on this mountain too long depart and then we went on to first and second thessalonians and i'm sure we've learned a lot i hope we've learned a lot um we would be wrapping up second thessalonians today i think this when was the last time we did one chapter per teaching in a in a book of the bible i can't remember maybe at the start but definitely not in a while so it was three chapters three weeks that's that's not bad <laughs> Next year, we're starting 1st Timothy, then 2nd Timothy, then Titus, before we then go to 2nd Corinthians. And so, there'll be a lot we're going to cover in the, what we popularly call the ministry books, especially if you have a heart for ministry. And by ministry, I mean like church leadership, right? There's a lot that even if you don't, at least you can still learn what is expected from the leaders you have that God has put over you. You can learn a lot, actually, from those books. They are amazing. And uh, I'm excited to, to go through that with you all. Uh, yeah, the plan, hopefully, is that in 2023, we'll bring everything to an end. But let's see how that goes. I'm not making any promises, but that's the plan. <laughs> all right, so... Today, we are wrapping up 2 Thessalonians, uh, we're in chapter 3, so bring out your Bibles, if you haven't already, your writing materials, your notepads, and let's get into the Word. Of course, uh, as we have gone through, hi Christina, hi Dami, hi Ianu, 
Um, welcome, welcome, welcome. Um, yes, what was I? Of course, if you've been following, which I believe pretty much every one of us have, um, Second Thessalonians is pretty much a follow-up slash reminder or emphasis on many things he talked about in First Thessalonians. I mean, at the end of the day, there's only so much you can say in a letter before you'll be like, ah, I have to see these people face to face. And uh, the emphasis of Second Thessalonians, like we've talked about, is number one, to encourage them again. Number two, to correct slash encourage them about the return of Christ. And number three, like we're going to see in today's teaching, to warn against improper conduct. That's pretty much the, the entire book. Things that we've talked about in many other letters, right? We talked about them all actually in First Thessalonians. And so this is kind of like a reminder um, just to bear that in mind. And uh, yeah, I think we'll just, we'll just start uh, straight away. So Second Thessalonians 3, Second Thessalonians 3 verse 1. I'm reading from the NKJV. It says, finally, brethren, this is one of the few places where Paul says finally, and he actually means it. <laughs> finally, brethren, pray for us that the word of the Lord may run swiftly and be glorified just as it is with you, and that we may be delivered from wicked and unreasonable men, for not all have faith. Pray for us. Pray for us. This is one of many places Paul would say, pray for utterance, pray for boldness. Um, here it says, pray that the gospel will run swiftly just as it was with you. And we've talked about it before that it, it, it teaches us something. If Paul is asking the people he got saved and taught and discipled to pray for him, to pray for him, right? I want you to reflect on that a bit, that Oh God, like literally, he's even correcting them in that letter, but he's saying, pray for us. Why is that? Why is that? Of course, it's nothing new, but it's a mindset to have that two things, actually. First of all, our prayers are effective. I know we say it a lot, but you should actually be aware that if we pray for something, we should expect a change in that thing. If I tell a friend, or if you tell a friend, I'll pray about it. Expect results. Let it not just be this Christian cliche that, oh, this is, have you prayed about it? <laughs> or I'll pray about it and you just pass it up. No. For Paul to remember, to say, guys, pray for us. It's because he believes in the power of prayer. And we should as well. That if a friend is confused and you say, I will be praying for you, it's a big deal. You actually expect that because you are praying for that friend, confusion will cease. I mean, you see Jesus' words. He said, the devil desired to sit you like this, but I have prayed for you. That can be the testimony of our lives. It can be the testimony of our friends that, oh, the devil desired to sift so on. So I won't call names. Don't worry, I won't drag anybody yet. It's not, it's too early. We just started. <laughs> but I have prayed for you. I have prayed for you. Meaning, if I did not pray for you, 
the devil would have saved you like wheat. Think about that. Like our prayers are effective. That, oh, because I prayed for this friend who is struggling, maybe they didn't have the strength to pray. Something that could have happened has actually been averted. Has actually been averted. I was listening to a teaching. I can't remember the name of the preacher, but he was talking about how a member of his church was starting a building project. And, um, of course, there were laborers working on the field and stuff like that. Either the owner of the project or the supervisor. And one of the laborers was a young, I think, 17-year-old. He would leave his father's. This was in Abuja, Nigeria. He would leave his, his parents' house every morning, drive, like, come long distance just to work and then go back. And then one day he went and he was there they had closed for the day and he was going back and this guy felt very uneasy in his spirit very very uneasy not the liberal the owner or the supervisor of the work whatever and he just in that moment went to his house and just stayed praying he didn't even know what he was praying for he just kept praying he just kept praying he just kept praying until he felt a release and then went back to continue his day you won't believe that around sometime around that night they called that oh our son has not come home or did he leave the site where is he where is he there was trouble the next day the boy called that he was somewhere in another state entirely that they should come and pick him up apparently what happened on his way back he entered a wrong bus right soon enough they carried all of them to a site where they were literally butchering people for like rituals and stuff like that. He saw them killing people. As soon as they came to his turn, the guy that was in charge, he said the incantations, he was about to kill, he paused. He said the incantations again, he paused. He told them that, take this guy as far away from here as possible. We can't use him. And I'm sure you've heard stories like that. Straight away, they carried him, dropped him by one highway before he found his way, found a phone, called, and his life was spared. Again, the devil desired to sift you like wheat, but I have prayed for you. The boy did not even know anyone was praying for him. The man that was even praying did not even know what he was praying about. But at that moment, God was able to step in. I know I've talked a lot about, for instance, understanding and trusting in the wisdom of God. But don't be, don't, don't be misunderstood. Don't be misled, rather. There are certain times where it's not that God allowed a thing. It's because we didn't pray enough. Let's be honest. It's because we didn't pray. God was willing to act. God was willing to step in. But we didn't pray about it. Or we didn't pray about it long enough. God was the one that told Elijah, go and tell Ahab, rain is coming. Elijah didn't say, ah, Ahab, rain is coming. And he just went. No. He went to the mountain. He prayed. Seven times. He, he, he bowed his head. He said, go and check. He said, oh, there's nothing. He prayed again. Go and check. There's nothing. He prayed seven times. And then he saw what? He said, there's, there's a fist. A small cloud, the, the, uh, the size of a fist rising up. He says, go and tell Ahab pack your things and go. If not, the rain will meet you on your way. There's an attitude to prayer that as a, as a church, as a believing community or as believers, we should not lose. 
believe in the power of prayer it really changes things it really changes things people's lives have been spared people have been healed people have escaped temptation like jesus told them watch and pray lest you fall into temptation meaning if you don't watch and pray you will fall but if you pray and watch you will not fall and it's amazing to think about the potency of prayer that it's not just something for myself all of a sudden i can pray for my friends i can pray for my leaders my church leaders we're in an age where we are seeing um scandals one place after the other you can pray for your leaders that's why paul is saying pray for us he realizes that the prayers of these people it's not a function of what do they know do they understand the triune nature of god do they still do they, can they interpret no 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 he says you are saved you have the holy spirit pray for us because i know because you have prayed this would happen so think about it he's saying pray for us that what the word of the lord may run swiftly and be glorified meaning because we pray we can actually see the gospel spread fast because we pray and so not only that he says that we be delivered from wicked and unreasonable men in the same place or in the same church he has talked about persecution and bearing it patiently he's telling them pray that god would deliver us from these people meaning that because we pray we can be delivered from persecution we can be delivered from opponents of the gospel because we pray we can see the god you might wonder ah, doesn't god want the gospel to to spread why do we need to pray about it this is not necessarily a teaching on prayer but just a simple look at the bible you would understand that the will of god is almost always in tandem with human cooperation god wants all men saved but if they don't say yes to the gospel there's nothing he can do god wants to heal some people if they don't have faith to receive that it's almost men most times nothing that will happen even jesus he said jesus could do no mighty work in his hometown why they didn't believe him and so prayer is no different god wants to send rain on on israel back again elijah has to go and pray god wants to do something in your city in your nation you know his heart already how do you see it come to pass you pray you pray so that's the first point realize like actually build up that mentality that when i pray i should expect things to happen for some of us who are already i hope for most of us if not all of us we are already looking at 2023 what does it hold what am i supposed to be doing what do i want to see how do you set that course you pray you pray you pray you can you can avoid mistakes avoid temptations avoid the plan of the enemy in the coming year how by praying by praying amen so that's the first thing realize your prayers are effective and the second is just a flow of that realization that if you realize that the prayers of believers are effective then in moments of weakness you should be vulnerable enough to request for the prayers of people around you if you truly believe in the power of prayer 
as a believer you should be able to to you should have friends especially in moments where you're like i don't know what's going on say guys just pray for me i'm going through this and this and this and i'll be honest with you i am i am tired or i i don't i can't really find the strength in me to stay in the place of prayer as i know i ought to can you pray for me 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 be be open enough we're going we're still going to talk about um the importance of a church community in this same chapter but be open enough to reach out to your brothers and say the same way paul would say brethren pray for us you should be able to say brothers sisters friends pray for me that this and this and this oh my parents are pray for me that this and this and this i know yes you are praying on your own but there are times where you should also be, be able to have people join you in prayer and, and say let us all pray concerning this thing amen prayer really does change things i've seen it in my life i have read countless testimonies great question uh to say i'll answer it at the end of the teaching answer it at the end of the teaching um yes prayer works prayer works so it says that the word of the lord may run swiftly and be glorified and that we be delivered from unreasonable and wicked men for not all have faith meaning if they were not praying the the impact of wicked and unreasonable men will be seen to a greater degree and god help you now be saying oh you know it's, it's the will of god you know persecution you know believers that will be persecuted last last what can we do no not all not all the time sometimes yes in the prayer what god will give you is strength to go through you might not avert the situation but at least pray first hold his will and pray <laughs> no know what he is we've talked about that before pray pray you say ah i'm not sure if god wants to heal what kind of pray pray for the healing god wants to heal we can talk about the if not if it doesn't get healed will happen we've talked about it actually no we can but we hold the will of god in prayer that is the heart of a believer we hold the will of god in prayer we know what god's ideal is even if we don't we in the world around us don't oftentimes see that happen but we can hold on to god's ideal and see it happen through prayer all right let's go on verse 3 it says but the lord is faithful who will establish you and guard you from the evil one i like that it says from verse if you read from verse two, it says that we be delivered from wicked and unreasonable men for not all have faith however god is faithful i like that contrast not all might have faith but god is faithful we can trust him in verse three what can we trust him to do we can trust him to establish us and to guard us from the evil one we see this 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 uh theme of learning to trust in the ability of god as opposed to my ability because i fluctuate there are days i'm not feeling it there are days i'm like god i don't want to pray god i feel weak god i don't want to do this but i can trust 
At least God doesn't have bad days. God doesn't wake up on the wrong side of the bed. If that happens by mistake, we're all, tra- we're all in trouble. Right? It says, God is faithful. It's the same thing in 1 Corinthians 1 verse 9. 1 Corinthians 1 verse 9. God is faithful by whom you were called. So it started from verse 8 that he will confirm you to the end. Talking about God. That you may be blameless in the day of our Lord. God is faithful. Even in my own salvation, I trust God. The same thing in 1 Corinthians 10 verse 13. 1 Corinthians 10 verse 13. No temptation has overtaken you except such that it's common to man. But God is faithful. Who will not allow you to be tempted beyond what you're able to bear. So even in the challenges that life may throw, I can trust God that he will not allow me to pass through what I am unable to bear. The same thing in 1 John 1 verse 9. That when sins are confessed, God is faithful and just to forgive. To the one who comes to God for mercy, there is no ounce of doubt that will God forgive? No, 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 no. The moment an unbeliever acknowledges their sins and lays it out before God, God is faithful to forgive. And it's the same thing here that as believers, we can trust God to establish us and to keep us from the evil one. Of course, you might now ask, does that mean there's nothing to do? And that's that interesting dynamic between God's activity and human participation. For instance, in Ephesians 6 verse 16, Ephesians 6 verse 16, we see a very similar um, approach to the evil one, but it's, it's now on the part of the human or of the believer. It says, above all, taking the faith of the shield of faith with which you will be able to quench all the fiery darts of the wicked one. And so in Ephesians 6, where Paul is describing to the believer to stand, to resist the devil, he says, take the shield of faith. That is what you are going to use to guard yourself, in a sense, from the wicked one. And now in in 2 Thessalonians, he's saying God is faithful. He will guard you. The question, is God the one keeping you from evil? Are you the one to take up faith and keep yourself from evil? What is the balance? And the answer is what? As most uh, confusing, should I say confusing or seemingly contrary or opposing facts of scripture the answer is both (laughs) the answer is both and that's why paul would say in philippians um in in philippians that work out your salvation philippians 2 verse 12 to um to 13 i believe uh work out your salvation with fear and trembling for it is god who works in you both to will and to do and so every believer can trust that God is at work in their lives. But there is still the, 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 um, the instruction to the believer to then respond. Or sometimes it could be to receive. Sometimes it could be to put off, put on. Who put the new man there? God. But we, we have a responsibility in a sense to now put it on. To put it on. To put it on. In Philippians 2, the context is that God is already doing something on your insides because you are saved. Give it expression. And it's the same thing we see here. God is at work in you to ground your faith. God is at work in you to keep you from the temptations, the plans of the enemy. But you have a responsibility to what? To to take a stand. 
It says, having done all to stand in Ephesians 6, stand. God is at work in you through his spirit to cause you to desire him more, to cause you to grow. But you have to pick up your Bible and study. You have to pray. You have to submit yourself to good teaching. But it's still God who is at work. And so it's kind of a response to salvation. The moment you said yes, the spirit of God changes you. In a sense, it's kind of like you get new clothes. Let's say you, uh, I don't know, you you start dating uh, Bill Gates' son. <laughs> and says, oh, Bill Gates just comes and says, ah, let me spoil your girlfriend. And he just changes the entire wardrobe, right? Everything you ever owned, he, he gets a better, more quality version of it. You can choose to still dress the same way you were dressing before the clothes came. But it will not make sense because you have new clothes in your wardrobe. You have new clothes in, in your wardrobe. So put it on. Go and wear, go and wear what they have bought for you. Or they buy you a new house. It says, ah, but I like apartments living. <laughs> I like my studio. It says, no, pack your things and go and live in the house they have bought for you. Very weak analogy, but you get the sense. God is at work. And we have a responsibility to respond. And it goes on again. It says in verse 4, we have confidence in your devotional life. Or we have confidence in, in your favor. You say, I am confident in Ayo's love for the Lord that she will do what I'm telling her. Or, oh, I'm confident in mommy and zeal. Oh, I'm confident in, in, in Dami's um, just consecration. I've, I've seen her consecration and I'm confident that as a result, she will do the things I'm saying. No. Paul says what? I'm confident in the Lord. Again, the reason I can trust that by this time next year, Delight would have grown or she would be more like Christ than she is now. The reason I can be confident that, oh, Toyosi will still be growing in the Lord. She will still be strong in the faith is because my confidence is in God. It can't be in her. We are, you can't put, anybody that is confident in man does not know man. In fact, you just look at your life, just look at your 2022. <laughs> it's, if anything, your trajectory, at least I know my own, is like this. It's going up, but it's still up and down. It's, it's not a straight line from point A to point B. It's like, mm, maybe sometimes even boom, you go down bad. And then you pick it. Maybe June, July, as that summer came, say, something happened. It just went down. Two weeks, no prayer. But thank God. <laughs> so maybe there was a retreat. Maybe your friends were there. You picked yourself up on your back. And so, you look back at the last 365 days and if anything, what you will see is the faithfulness of God. It's not your, it's not your efforts. Yes, you, you responded in a sense. Yes, thank God for his church, friends, and stuff like that. But the reason, ultimately, that we are all still strong in the faith, growing in God, 
is because God is faithful. God is faithful. God is faithful. Amen. And so we can be confident in God concerning ourselves. And it's 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 the right way to talk as believers. That oh, I'm sure that by the next time I see you, you'll be you'll be growing in God. You'll be you'll be even more prayerful than you already are. You'll be even more zealous. Why? My confidence is in God. I trust God that next December 31st, you'll be better. I trust God. I don't trust you, <laughs> but I trust God. I trust God. I trust God. Amen. Says, we have confidence in the Lord concerning you. It's the same thing he says, for instance, in uh, Philippians 1 verse 6. I'm confident of this very thing, that he who has begun a good work will complete it unto the day of Christ. It's, it's God I'm confident in. It's God I'm confident in. It's the same thing Paul would say in second. <laughs> it's the same thing Paul would say, Paul would tell to Timothy in 2 Timothy 1, verse 12. 2 Timothy 1, verse 12. He says, Nevertheless, I'm not ashamed, for I know whom I have believed. And I'm persuaded that he is able to keep what I've committed to him until that day. It's God I trust. How do I know that 50 years down the line, no matter what may have come, God forbid, good or bad, my heart for God will still be intact. I trust that he is able to keep me. How do I know that... Um, 60 years, regardless of what life throws at me. God forbid an untimely death. God forbid a terminal illness. I would still be strong in the Lord. How do I know? I trust that he is able to keep what I've committed unto him. That is the attitude of a believer. How do I know that over the next 12 months, I would only have grown in God. I trust that he's able to keep. I trust that he's able to keep. Amen. Amen. That's how to talk. That's how to talk about your believing friends. That's how to talk about the people you, you God has put you over. That's how to talk about your own life. I was like, I don't know. You know, this life is unpredictable. Anything can happen. <laughs> no. Yes, anything can happen. But we look to the one who is faithful. The one who is faithful. Amen. It says in verse 5, Now may the Lord direct your hearts into the love of God and into the patience of Christ. I love verse 1 to 5 because it just puts the heart of the believer and just rests it on the ability of God. Just rests it on the ability of God. That it's because, and it's like I said, really, if you can just build that consciousness that everything I can, everything I'm able to do for God, it's because He's at work in me. He's at work in me. He's at work in me. It makes it so much easier. It's not in my own strength, it's because His Spirit is at work in me. His Spirit is at work in me. That was the, that's the testimony of the new covenant. It is no one who have to tell your neighbor no the Lord says, Oh, we'll know the Lord. I will cause them 
to walk in my ways. He's at work in you. He's at work in you. Amen. And so yet again, he says, may the Lord direct your hearts into the love of God and into the patience of Christ. Patience, of course, because of all they were going through. The intense persecution. And he says that, let Jesus be your example. That the same way, like for instance, in Hebrews 12, it says he endured the cross. Endured the shame. Why? For the glory that was ahead. He has become that, that example. Since he learned obedience by the things that he suffered. And so he has become a, a high priest that can resonate with our infirmities. Because he was in every manner tempted just as we are. And so he becomes the ultimate example of bearing on that persecution, bearing on that suffering. And so these people are going through a lot. And Jesus will say, I'm with you. I've gone through a lot. He says, I'm just coming from a lot. So I can go with you again through that a lot. And that's that's that should be, it should be a, 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 a thing that comforts us that when I when life seems to be hard, I can look to Jesus as an example. He understands. He understands. All right. Verse six. Now we get into more direct instructions. It says, But we command you, brethren, in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, that you withdraw from every brother who walks disorderly. <laughs> Or sister. So you say, ah, it's just brothers or sisters are fine. <laughs> Every brother or sister, sister, who walks disorderly and not according to the tradition which he or she received from us. Very, very clear instruction. If you see anybody <laughs> that is walking disorderly or not according, you say withdraw. 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 What would it look like to walk disorderly? We're going to read it in context. But clearly, the idea is that this is a person that is not working, is not productive, he's not minding his business, he's busy, but he's lazy, and he's expecting the church to take care of him or her for whatever reason. The traditions in this context to be a hardworking member of society, literally. And we're going to read that as we go on. But then it says, what is the response? It says, withdraw from a brother. In verse 15, we're going to see him say, don't, not as an enemy, but admonish him as a brother. And so think about that. It was the idea of withdrawing is not say, ah, you, we don't know you anymore. It was a form of correction, actually. It was a form of discipline. In fact, the last means of correction by the church and what was the end goal we've talked about this in first corinthians 5 the goal is to hopefully inspire change not to kick them out as they get out we don't know you know but to somehow make them aware that your actions are not consistent with christianity and so we cannot condone this behavior we cannot condone this behavior so it's actually an expression of love. We love you too much to allow you stay with us as though everything is good. No, you have to change. If not, we cannot identify with you as a, as a, as a believer. As a believer, think like that was literally 
the greatest expression of discipline at the church. It was an act of love that what you are doing, you have to change. You have to change. And, and it's sad because I'm sure we've come across these common cliches that, oh, the church is a place for broken people, right? That, oh, when you come into church and you see so many broken people, why are you surprised? That only sick, the hospital is a place for sick people. So also the church is a place for broken people. And there's a sense in which that is true, but at least complete it. It is broken people that realize they are broken and are trying to get better. It's not a place for, say, oh, church is a place for broken people. It doesn't matter. I'm not perfect. That's why we, we need the church. And then you're making excuses. No. It's a place where broken people get healed. It's not just broken people. It's a place where broken people get fixed. The same way if you are going to a hospital, it's because you've realized that there's something wrong and you are trying to get treatment. I once saw, um, I, I was listening to a short snippet and it was along the same line. Um, and he described the church as a gym. That um, at the gym, you see both people that are fit and you see people that are not as fit, people that have been working out for years and people that this is their first day. And of course, they're going to look very different. You see some guys, they're like, ah, is this, this is really Imago Day. This, this one, image of God. <laughs> Me, I am image of Adam. This one, this one is image of God. And then you see some other people that, ah, I say, ah, my dear, just keep at it. God will meet you at the point of your <laughs> right? But what makes the gym accommodative or um, a place that can accommodate both the fit and the unfit is that everyone who goes or walks into a gym has the same goal. We are all trying to attain a healthy physics slash lifestyle. That is why both the fit and the, I remember um, for, for people that work out, maybe you can resonate with this. I remember when I first started working out uh, last year, not first, but I started, I resumed consistently. And one guy, one day he came up to me, he was like, ah, that you come pretty often, that keep it up, I can already see the gains. I felt, I was like, oh my God, there is hope for me. <laughs> It was so heartwarming. Like, this guy is huge. I was not asking him, oh, how long have you been working out? It's like, oh, a couple years now. This and that. I said, but keep at it. Keep at it. That's, you're, 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 you're already getting bigger. I've been seeing you. And then we talked for a bit. I was like, wow. Wow. I felt, I left that day. I was like, yes. Do you know who I am? <laughs> right? And that is the church. We see people that have been following God for years and you look at them and you're like, when will I ever be? If it's Bible scripture, they'll just be quoting from their head. Is it as in God sees me? <laughs> God is intentional. If it's scriptures, they just, if it's conduct, you're like, ah, this guy just, or this girl just loves God, just finds it easy to pray. And here I am, five minutes, I'm checking my phone. Like, God, when will I be like this person? When will I be like this person? But that's the point. That's what the church is for. You see people that have been following God for years. You see people that just started. People that have been praying hours upon hours consistently their whole life and people that are struggling. People that have studied the word of God to a point where 
they know they understand christianity to a very great degree and people that are just learning the gospel that is fine and just like the gym the point there is it doesn't matter how far you've gone what matters is that we are all going in the same direction and so at any point you join we can just just join the train just follow us you will catch up that's the church however nobody goes to a gym at least ideally unless it's planet fitness sorry i didn't mean that uh, <laughs> and you bring a couch you bring pizza you say oh i want to watch tv and you are sitting down and you are just eating no and then they say oh kindly leave this is not the place where i say no the gym is a place for all no ma no sir if you are here you are here to work out and it's the same thing with the church yes we don't criticize weakness we can accommodate brokenness but we don't condone that whoever joins us stays in that state so let's 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 balance that that message of the church is a place for broken people no it is for broken people but broken people that are actively by the spirit getting better and so you don't say ah it doesn't matter now is it not the church it's a place for all no ma no sir if we are aware that you are walking in willful continual sin you will either need to change or we will disassociate from you it's that simple it's that simple it's that simple and that is that is that is the the teaching of that's what paul means that you see a brother or sister like ah, see guy but paul told us to walk saying forget paul who is paul say ah who is paul say thank you very much we don't we we don't recognize you at least not now as one of us hopefully the point is with that dissociation you realize this the gravity of what you've done and you change again this was this was in response to a person walking willfully and continuously in sin not that oh someone someone made a mistake or someone fell into sin i say ah you are not no 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 we never the church of god should never and it's a place where we probably not balanced it well enough if there is a repentant heart the church of god must always welcome yes there may be some level of discipline especially if they were leaders but the church of god never turns away a repentant heart and that's why paul was saying in second corinthians that so that the devil does not take advantage because we are aware of his devices if a person realizes that what he has done or she has done is wrong the church welcomes them back with open arms you don't say ah you are excommunicated for two weeks and they say ah, but so they should not or you say two months you've been excommunicated so they should not come to church if they say they are sorry they realize they should not fellowship that's an extreme that's an extreme however in the state they are in say no so for instance in, in first corinthians it was a guy that was sleeping with his father's wife and it's i mean for whatever reason i'm not a pastor i've never led a church i don't know the complexities of church administration but it seems like it's hard to do these things today for whatever reason i'm not sure why but like ideally let's say it's a youth church and there's someone there she's living with her boyfriend ah you call it out <laughs> ideally say ah what are people doing you're praying every night say this is <laughs> this is not ideal this is not ideal it's not ideal. You say, oh, 
Why is the church getting into my business? Yes, the church is to get into your business. That is the responsibility of the church. That's what Paul said in 1 Corinthians 5. He says that we judge ourselves. He says, judge amongst you. Judge amongst you. Judge amongst you. Amen. All right. So that is it. Um, we command everyone, we command you that you withdraw from every brother that walks disorderly and not according to the tradition that you received. This is in verse 7. For you yourselves, you know how you ought to follow us. For we were not disorderly amongst you. In 1 Thessalonians 2 verse 10, he said the same thing. He said, you are witnesses and God also about how devoutly and justly and blamelessly we behaved ourselves amongst you. We set an example. In um, 3 verse 8, it says, we didn't eat anyone's bread free of charge, but we worked with labor and toil night and day that we might not be a burden to any of you. Not because we do not have the authority, but to make ourselves an example of how you should follow us. And that's that's beautiful, especially for ministers of the gospel. And what he's saying there is that our lives, not just in our message, that you can look at how Silas and I behaved amongst you and Timothy as well. He says, we worked day and night. And his point in verse 9, where he says, not because we don't have the authority. He's, like we've, we've talked about that in 1 Corinthians 9. If you remember, he had every right to say, oh, church, take care of me. Why? Because I am the one ministering to you. Ministry was already working off. I, 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 I hate that assumption that I say, oh, uh, um, that what does it mean is a full-time. So let him go and get a job now. The truth is, if you do ministry well, it is working off. You know how many problems? <laughs> like I said, my dad is a pastor. The family I, I stayed with when I was when I first got to the US. The dad is the dad was a pastor. This man is always on calls, he's always counseling, always advising. He's driving somewhere. Someone's someone is sick. They need to go and pray for them. Someone they are fighting in their marriage. He needs to go and resolve it. There are times my dad, 3 a.m. Oh, my wife is in labor. Can you pray for us? Ah uh-uh. ah. This man has to wake up at five to be at the office at 7.38. But you don't know. You only know my pastor, which is fine. <laughs> it's fine. <laughs> I'm not angry. But, but it is a lot of work, especially if done well. If your heart is really with the people you are leading and you really know what it means to serve and pour out yourself as a sacrifice, it's a lot of work. And so Paul is saying that despite that, we still worked we still had a nine to five in quotes. It probably wasn't nine to five for them, but we still worked. Why? Just so that we can be an example. Just so that we would be above reproach. Remember Second Corinthians, that it will not be said that, oh, Paul is doing this for the money. He said, I would rather preach without charge than to have anyone not come to Christ because they think I'm doing it for the money. Is to allow the message spread and it's to be an example. And so he's telling them that you guys saw, you saw us. We're teaching, we're preaching, we're still working, full-time jobs. And yet, one of you will now say, they don't want to work. Why? <laughs> say, you will work. Oh. If not, you will not eat. So that we might not be a burden. First, um, first Thessalonians 2 verse 9. 
He says, For you remember, brethren, our labor and toil, for laboring night and day, that we might not be a burden. We preach to you the gospel of God. And it's, it's still that same thing we said about the whole gym analogy or the church analogy. That at every point, it doesn't matter where you are. Unless you just came in to the faith. Number one, the, there will be always be examples to look to. There will always be examples to look to. And at a point, you yourself should be an example to people coming behind you. That's why Hebrews would say, at this time, you, you ought to be teachers. Says you still need someone to teach you the elementary principles of the oracles of God. Ah, uh-uh. it's not, it's not done. It's not done. It's not done. Says by this time you should, you should take strong meat. You still need them to make milk at, at your age, at your age. And so there's a sense in which even in in the body, as we mature, we become examples. We become examples, and so people should be able to look at you. And say, oh wow, I I I I was challenged to pray by observing this person. I was challenged to take Bible study more seriously when I met this person. That should be the testimony of a mature believer, even if you're not a pastor in that sense. You're an example to those that are coming behind you. I remember when I got serious in my walk with God, um again. <laughs> in my first year of college and like it was like okay what do I I wasn't really sure no one like took me by the hand in that sense because it was more just a personal experience I was in Arts and Redemption Camp Congress and I just my God I'm going to take you seriously from now on so I just got to school I told my guys I had changed but it wasn't like someone held me and then was there to disciple me until I met um, people um, in months to come. But I wasn't even sure what I was supposed to do. I, I opened my Bible and I'm like, okay, what am I supposed to read? What am I supposed to do? But how I started praying, I would never forget. There was this guy then on our floor. He was the chaplain of our floor. And so the chaplain is, we our school then, we have nightly devotions, right? And so there's someone there who is, well, we're all cosmists, right? Because we're arranged alphabetically in our rooms so if you are a four of you the first four a's two bunk beds that kind of thing and so on our floor it's literally your cosmic the guys you go to class with and everything and so there's a chaplain among them to like conduct the devotions and so this guy very very zealous guy (laughs) very zealous guy and every night he would just be walking around the floor and be praying in tongues and everyone would hear him so I had come back to school. I was serious. I was like, I had in my heart, I'm like, I'm ready to take God seriously. I didn't know what to do per se. But what started to happen is that as he walks past my room and is praying, I just become very restless. Even if I'm sleeping, I just become very restless. And then one day I said, ah, me too, I can pray now. Is it, is it only you? <laughs> and I, I didn't walk around the floor, but I, I went out, I left my room. I went to one corner by the stairs. And that was the first time I think I decided on my own to pray that night. Like just pray, just spend time with God in prayer. Before then, it's just, uh, God, thank you for waking me up. As I go into the day, go with me, you know, all those those prayers. And I just decided to spend time. And from there, 
every night. I was like, oh, this was, this was so fun. And I started going. And that was how I developed a prayer culture. It's because someone was an example. At that point, no one was necessarily discipling me. So they didn't, they didn't say, oh, from now, you'll be praying every day and studying. I didn't, I didn't, I was on my own. But because I heard how I saw an example, I saw an example. I saw an example. That's what that's what got me praying. That's what got me praying. And so as believers, you never, you really don't know the impact that you, just your, your devotion, your consecration to God, what he can do in the life of someone who is coming behind you. Don't wait to say, oh, I don't have a platform to teach like Daniel does. Or, oh, I don't, I don't think I know this well enough. Or just, just do what you are supposed to do. It's the same reason we go to the gym. One of the reasons why it's a lot easier to work out in the gym than at home. <laughs> home workout, I, I hate. When COVID happened, I said, I'll, I'll resume when COVID, when COVID ends. I'm not, I'm not working out because I don't, have the, I don't have the motivation to do it. But you go to the gym and you see people that are working out. I'm like, ah, wow. I cannot, I will not embarrass myself here. <laughs> so you too, you do what you're supposed to do. Or you see people and you're like, ah, if this guy can do this just by coming every day, that means me to one day, maybe two years, maybe three years, I will get there. And it, it's that example drives you to be better. And it's the same thing we, 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 we should be as believers. Examples to one another. Examples to one another. I should look at your charismatic message and say, wow, I can do better. I should see how passionate you are about evangelism. I'm like, wow. I can do better. I can do better. And that's what Paul is saying, that we were an example. Not because we needed to, but just so that you would see how it should be done. How it should be done. And then he goes on in verse 10. For even when we were with you, we commanded you this. If anyone will not work, neither shall he eat. And the idea there is that by eating, Meaning at public expense. Like the church is not going to support you. If you are not working. Yes, I can understand that for some people, they are, they are doing the best they can and they don't have enough. Those ones will take care of them. But you, you are not doing anything. And you just want to come in the evening to come and do Lord's Supper with us. Say, God forbid. You are not coming. We are not going to welcome you. And so there we even start to see wisdom in things like generosity. Like sometimes people ask, oh, that if someone is taking advantage, should I just keep giving them stuff? Or so like, clearly, clearly the Bible says we don't we don't condone laziness. We don't. I remember then again, this is just bringing back memories from school. Um, we usually use the uh, sachet waters, right? And so you have to buy a bag of sachet water. And uh, usually it's locked past a certain time in the day, like 8 p.m. or so they lock the the store and you can't get such a water until the next morning right and so <laughs> i think then a bag of such a water was 100 naira i think so i don't know what it has become now under this new regime but then <laughs> it was 100 naira and what will happen is that of course you want to buy like one or two so that you have water to drink right you don't want your water to like the foolish virgins your water will finish and you can't buy water until the next day. <laughs> no, Ayo, we have an international audience. You can't say pure water. <laughs> Statchet water. <laughs> oh, it's 300 naira now. Can you imagine? Times three. This is well. God will help us. 
only God, pray for Nigeria. Only God can help us. Um, but then what what would happen is that there'll be some guy because it's hundred naira. But then a bottle of juice then was also hundred naira. And so there were always those guys in our hall that when they are eating, is juice they are buying, all of that. And in the night, they will start going around to ask for sachet water. And that thing really upsets me. <laughs> I'm like, why didn't you? It's not that you don't have the money. You went to buy juice that you finished in one sitting over a bag of sachet water that will last you like two, three days. Now you are coming to ask because the gate is locked. I'm like, why didn't you buy? And then you now you know you now have you have the heart of God. So you are now like, ah, is it fair if I say no? But then these people are always, and what will now happen is that if they know you give, they will never buy that every night. I bet give me two bags, two, two, two such a two piota. Three <laughs> every night. I'm not buying it for you. You have the money by yourself. I can understand the ones, maybe they were like the foolish virgins. They had a bag. They didn't know it was only one or two left. And then it finishes and they need water. At least those ones they buy. But the ones that they are using it to spend on other things are not buy water. It, it, it just used to annoy me so much. <laughs> I don't, so much. I'm like, this is the last time. Oh, tomorrow it opens. Go and, buy your, go and buy your own. And there's a similar thing going on here. That's the idea. We don't, if, if someone clearly is wasteful with his money, we don't encourage such behaviors. So for people asking, where's the wisdom in generosity? When, when can I say no? These are some guidelines. We're going to get to, for instance, in, in Timothy, where Paul is describing the widows that the church should help. He leads proper qualification. It's not just, oh, help everyone that comes. No, no, no. It's just you ask certain questions. Have they served? Were they faithful to their husband? Did they wash the disciples' feet? Are they young? You say if they are young. Church, don't help them. Let them go and marry. <laughs> that's, what, that's what he said. He says, don't say no. This one, if as they are young like this, they will just keep, the church will become their new husband and they will not do anything with their lives. Just let them go and marry. Let them go and marry. And so there's an idea there that even in our generosity, we should hold people to a certain standard of, of ethics, I guess. Are you prudent with your resources? I can ease, I can understand you don't have enough. That's 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 life. But not that you were wasteful or you are a wasteful person. If you were wasteful and you've come to see the error, that's fine. You are a wasteful person. The next time this money comes, you are still going to waste it. So someone, for instance, you know has a betting addiction, wastes all their money and comes to meet you and say, ah, give me 100K. You should be careful because most likely they're just going to use it to continue that lifestyle. And so that's what Paul is saying. If anyone will not work, the church should not support them. Don't give... Remember in Acts 2, right? Everyone shared everything they had such that even the people that didn't have had stuff to eat. He said, no, don't include... Don't include those people in the giving of food. Don't... Do not do that. They are lazy. Right? And he goes on. Verse 11. For we hear that there are some who walk among you in a disorderly manner. Not walking at all. But they are busy bodies. They are busy bodies. They're just going around from place to place, not doing anything with their lives, not even attempting. Right? I mean, of course, for instance, in today's economy times, you could be applying for jobs and you don't have anything yet. You're applying. Of course, you could still do other things, maybe pick up something while you do so. 
But this one's, <laughs> he said, yeah, baby girls, baby girls don't work. Not working at all, they are busy, but he says it, he condemns such a behavior. And you might not be wondering why is a faith that is about the death, burial, and resurrection of Christ all of a sudden about uh, social, social structure, social reform, and economics <laughs> or society, as in soft life, Abby. <laughs> and it's it's very simple. It's very simple, especially if you have been reading or following the teaching of Paul. There is a clear sense in which the biggest demonstration of our salvation is seen in how we live our day-to-day lives. For Paul, it's a very, very big deal. It's why in Ephesians, he will talk Ephesians 1, Ephesians 2, Ephesians 3. Oh, you are seated with Christ. Oh, the mystery of this. Oh, um, I pray for this. I pray for that. From Ephesians 4, it says, if you understand all these things, he now starts, love your wives, love your husbands, love your children, be a good master, be a good slave, be this, be that, be good citizens in society. Peter, same thing. He says, don't let anyone, um, don't get in trouble for actually doing bad. If it's for the gospel, that's fine. Wear it as a badge of honor. But if it's that you were actually a thief or you were lazy, it says, that's, that's, that's horrible. And there's that idea which sometimes it seems like we oftentimes, people oftentimes forget that if truly I've been saved, it will show, it would show in my life. I was talking to Delight about this yesterday. It would show in my interactions with people around me. It would show in the way I relate with my friends, in the way I relate with my parents, in the way I relate with my wife that some of you deny exists it will show it would show it would show and so don't don't fall into that that deception where you're like oh i'm always praying i'm always studying that's good but if we can't see it in the way you live your life then it shows that god bless your god will bless you from my heart i say god we bless you <laughs> <laughs> um what am i saying it should show in the way say in life no it's a show in the way say i will not speak it's a show in the way you pass will no i don't me i'm not i'm not like people 23 has already 2020 i met my wife when i met my wife last year now i'll be 20 2018 i think we met 2018 yeah yeah, May 2018. <laughs> In August, Abby, God will bless you. Yeah, we met 20. Was it 20? No, it was 2019 August. Now we met. Yeah, Faith was there. She was there when when, when I met my wife. <laughs> exactly, exactly. Anyways, what am I saying? I'll meet her later. I'll meet her later. You people are just, just it's bad belly. It's up you to example. We said be an example. You said just like Daniel. Example. Say no. Okay. No wala. No wala. But um <laughs> uh I've lost my train of thoughts. What? Okay. Quick. I'll mute you. So yes, I was saying that 
it should translate into how you live your life. Into how you live your life. I was talking to a friend the other day and I was telling her, I was like, sometimes we don't even realize, like if you truly understand what stewardship looks like or what it means that you've presented yourself to God, even in your health, you would realize that it matters to God how you take care of your body, how you eat, how you rest. It matters. It actually matters. How you take care of your finances. It matters. It's not just as long as I am living, I will always worship you. You show your worship in the day-to-day of your life. What is worship? You are showing that you are submitted to a deity. How do you show that? Yes, singing is part of it. But more so, I can tell that this person loves God. Not by how loud they shout on Sundays or how well they cry when a certain song comes on. But by their actions the next day, how they act at work. You're like, ah, this guy is just excellent. That is worship. That's why if you read the message translation, and I think they they really got the essence of that, that passage. The message translation, Romans... <clears throat> Romans 12 verse 1. It says, here is what I want you to do. God helping you. This is the message transition. It says, take your everyday ordinary life. You're sleeping, you're eating, you're going to work, and you're walking around life. And place it to God as an offering. Embracing what God does for you is the best thing you can do for him. They really got the essence of what it means to be a Christian. In that time, it was that <clears throat> all the things they saw, they saw how they loved one another. And that's what Jesus said, that by this all men shall know you are my disciples, that you love one another. They saw the generosity that rich people are selling stuff to give to the poor. Masters and slaves eating at the same table, listening to the same teaching. Husbands and wives, all of a sudden, wives are no longer property. They are actually loved and honored. And wives are not trying to, to usurp the authorities of their husband. They actually submit and like, ah, what kind of community is this? What kind of community is this? Beyond the, oh, you just had um, retreats. Oh, you people, I know you people now, you're always praying. Oh, I know you people now, it's not your church that's down the road. Beyond that, it's how you live amongst yourself. Like, wow, indeed, something has changed. And that's why to Paul, you might be like, ah, why, why is it a big deal for him to find out? It's because it says a lot about your Christian testimony. That you're hardworking. You're diligent. You're not lazy. You're not lazy. It says a lot actually about your Christian testimony. It says a lot. There's a reason why if you look at history, Christianity has contributed the most to humanitarian efforts. Whether it's from abused people, Poverty, but education, health. It's Christianity. It's Christians that you see going out of their way to serve. Why? We've seen the example in Christ. We've seen more than any other, any other community in the world what it means to give yourself up, what it means to live. And what did you say it meant to live? To die, to die to yourself, to sacrifice. And so there's a reason why you be like, ah, these Christians. That's that should be the test of these Christians. They're always doing good. They're always just helping other people. They're always, they're they just so loving. They're always so kind. There are people 
um i remember in our school the international student community it was literally run by just christian families and so these people would help they would move in they would help move your stuff in they will help you if you need a place to stay they would gladly accommodate you they will transport you to the grocery store and back why it's it's, it's the example we've seen in christ and it matters it really does matter it really does matter if you are <clears throat> let me drink water if you're a believer that or if you see someone and their devotional life seems to be there and but you can't translate it to the day to day it shows that there's a disconnect it's it's bordering on lifeless religion where it's no longer impacting their hearts it's not impacting their hearts because if truly you capture the essence of Christians, it would show. It would show in everything. It would show in everything. Amen. All right, let's go on. Let's let's wrap it up. It says, now those who are such, we command and exhort through Jesus Christ that they work in quietness and they eat their own bread. Meaning, stop being a busy, but stop being idle. Indeed, an idle mind is the devil's work. If you find out that you're just idle, even if you are, you're working nine to five, go and do something. Can't preach. <laughs> if you find idleness carrying you to start doing things, you ought not. It means you have too much time on your hand. Go and be productive. Do some, take up something. All right? It says the work in quietness eats their own bread. It says, but as for you, brethren, the rest of you that are getting it right, don't be weary in doing good. Um, there are two common interpretations. Fortunately, both are both are good interpretations or plausible. I lean more towards the context interpretation, but um for doing good to some means in the context of what we've been reading those that are doing good are those that are working with their own hands are productive members of society and so paul is saying don't be tired keep doing what you're doing for others doing good just like galatians 6 verse 9 says is is the idea of helping the poor like um alms giving and so he, the interpretation there would be that even though yes there are people who are lazy and are trying to take advantage of the church's generosity don't let it discourage you from actually helping those who need help both interpretations are valid as christians don't be tired of doing good even where it looks like other people are doing it the easy way don't be tired i saw a quote um last night it says though a person may tire in doing what is right they should never tire of doing what is right i'll say it again though a person may tire in doing what is right they should never tire of doing what is right so whether it's that you should keep doing the right thing as a believer or whether it's that don't allow the abuse of some hinder your generosity so in my case if someone who actually needs um such a water comes to my room i should still give them (laughs) i should not say just because there are some who intentionally rather buy iced tea every day and not pure water i shouldn't i shouldn't help people that actually need whichever one it is i lean more towards the context one but both are very valid right and then it goes on if anyone does not obey our word in this epistle just like he said in verse six note that person and don't keep company with them that he may be ashamed again this is the response and let me read verse 15 first yet do not count him as an enemy 
but admonish him as a brother. And so, like we've talked about already, this is the response of the church to a believer or a professing believer who continues in willful, continual sin. Our response is disassociation. And I want you to reflect on this as we round up, that think about the fact that the biggest punishment of the church is disassociation. Meaning that there's already an assumption of Christian community that our fellowship is so important that the greatest thing we can do to discipline you is not fellowship with you. Think about that kind of mindset that they had about what it means to be to belong to a community of believers. That the biggest thing we can do is to say, until you change, we're not going to, we're not going to associate. And it was so potent that many times people would probably change. They'd be like, oh wow, I'm sorry. I'm going to stop this right now. Please welcome me back. If it's today, some people will just say, ah, I beg, I'm going to hang out with my co-workers, Jerry. Who needs, who needs you people? All you church people, you're too full of yourselves. <laughs> I don't need you people. Saturday, you're out, you're bowling with your guys. I said, what's my own with church? <laughs> or some people will just join another church. They say, yeah, why did you leave? Say, don't mind them, Joe. They are too harsh. Why did you leave here for much? They are too harsh. <laughs> So, ah, I'm sorry to hear that. Here we are welcoming. Yeah, we will never turn turn you away. Ah, that's not the church of Christ. <laughs> right? But the idea was that you are so changed by the gospel that your closest bonds on this earth are people within the body of Christ. So that you will never want to lose that bond. Of course, for them, it was even worse because you've probably been persecuted. You've suffered. You can't go back. <laughs> you can't like it was and persecuted societies know this well there's there's a strong bond like if you see churches in china they are all they have literally the the church is all they have or in in the middle east it's not like in the west here that uh there's there are churches everywhere you can choose to freely identify as a christian in a world where identifying as a christian means a lot for your for your security for your, for your finances. It was a big deal to join that community. It was a very big deal. And it shows, and even though we, we don't live in a, in a world where, or we listen, at least most people listening, if not all, don't live in a society where socially it costs us to follow Jesus. We might not get how strong of a bond this should be, but it doesn't mean we should miss out on it entirely. There is a lot that a Christian community does to you that if you don't value it, you're going to miss out on. We've talked about just a few, just holding you accountable. Prayer, like we said at the beginning, big deal. An example to follow, big deal. Amongst many other things. But the truth is, if Jesus has so changed your heart, you will not be more comfortable anywhere else than with people that also believe that same message. Sometimes when people argue about, oh, why shouldn't a Christian marry? Why can't a Christian marry an unbeliever? What breaks my heart is that I can't even begin to even start that. The fact that you asked that question, it shows that there's something wrong with your Christian life. Honestly, that you think you the, the, the most important person of your life 
on this earth is someone you can't share Jesus with. Do you really love Jesus? Honest. That's the question we should ask you. It's not a why can't a Christian? It's like, why do you think a Christian can actually be comfortable being married to an unbeliever? Yes, if they did it before they got it, that's fine. We've talked about First Corinthians. There are ways to handle that. But you would willingly want to spend the rest of your life with someone that doesn't love God. I'm sorry, love Jesus or God revealed in Christ. How do you want to do it? So what will you... So if you want to share... Oh, I got prophecies for the years. And what do you mean by prophecy? I bet I got his prophecy. Ah, ah, how do you want to do that? He says, oh, my church, we're going out for evangelism. All you people, you're always imposing your faith on people. Ah, ah. <laughs> says, oh, I was reading my Bible today. Say that that book, how can we even trust is accurate? Imagine that is the kind of life <laughs> you're saying that you want. It doesn't make sense. It does if you truly love God, if you truly love what He has done for you in Christ, you will be most comfortable with people that have. There's there's just there's just this, um, and I'm sure we can at least for many of us. As <laughs> say you're too noisy, can you can you reduce your prayer a bit? For many of us that I hope by God's grace we're all serious with our walk with God. You should have experienced that it's different when you're with your unbelieving friends. You are more restricted in a sense. You're not as free as someone that you, you shout in tongues and say, ah, my guy, that is my brother. That is my brother. Or someone that, that I would just call you that, ah, I was praying and the Lord said, if you know a friend that can tell you the Lord said, you're in trouble. <laughs> in big trouble. Right? And that's the idea that I, I was teaching one day at a meeting. I was asked to teach on like um, the Ecclesia, the Church of God. And I told them, and it's, it's still true, that after salvation, God's greatest gift to you is the church. After salvation, the best thing God gave you after his son was the body of Christ. Take advantage of it intentionally be have friends christian friends that you are growing and you're doing life together there's there's hardly anything more valuable than that hardly anything hardly anything amen and so that's the idea that don't count him as an enemy <laughs> i think you're funny <laughs> ideally your partner is in the body so <laughs> It's all all joint. <laughs> all joint. <laughs> but that's the idea. That's the idea. And it says don't count him as an admonition. So it's still an act of love. That we choosing not to fellowship with you is an act of love. It's not in a harsh, get out. Why you know? It's in what you are doing will bring harm to both you and our community. We can't allow that. We can't allow that. Please change you are still even admonishing the person that you you're like stop this thing now leave this leave your father's wife now what's wrong with you <laughs> leave your father's wife right it's not in a it's not in a condescending cold sense that get out how dare you, you still your father. we don't know no, it's still an act of love that stop what you're doing stop what you're doing amen amen finally now may the lord of peace verse 16 2 Thessalonians 3.16 May the Lord of peace himself give you peace always in every way. The Lord be with you all. And I love how Paul always reminds them that because you have 
peace with God. Romans 5. You can go through life in the peace of God. Same thing Jesus said in John 14, 27. Peace I live with you, my peace I give to you. Not as the world gives, do I give to you. Let not your heart be troubled. Neither let it be ashamed. I'm afraid. The idea there is that because I'm in right standing with God, I have nothing to worry about. I have nothing to be afraid of. I have nothing to be afraid of. I have nothing to be afraid of. Finally, the salutation of Paul with my own hand or with his own with his own hand. Which is a sign in every epistle. So I write. Verse 18, the grace of our Lord for the last time in 2022, the grace of our Lord Jesus be with you all. Amen. Amen, 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 amen. With that, we come to the end of Second Thessalonians and the end of JTT 2022 edition. <laughs> this is I'm emotional. Glory! We're done for the year. So, Second Thessalonians again. Helpful things to. It says Paul had a chat. It'd be grace. There'll be grace, peace, faith, hope, and love. If you had five daughters, those would be their names. <laughs> um. Um. But yeah, I hope we. I hope it was a good year. I hope we've learned a lot this year, even just today as well. As usual, go back through Second Thessalonians. It's literally, you could finish it in like an hour. It's not a long book at all. And just remind yourself of the things you've learned. Like I said, everything we learn should translate into worship, meaning how we live our lives to God. How we live our lives to God. All right. Uh, thank you all. Any questions? I know Toyosi had a question earlier. Let me see if I can find it. Um, yes, how do you know when to stop praying? Sometimes when God says no or wait. Um, in a sense, pretty much so. Until, until, like Paul, God says, my strength is made perfect in your weakness. Right? Or rather, or until like James, the answer is that I will give you the strength to go through this. You keep praying. You keep praying. Especially if it's something God has said, you keep praying until you see it. <laughs> like Paul told, God told Elijah, rain is coming. Until that rain comes, you will just keep praying. You will just keep praying. You will just keep praying. All right. So yes, still see you're right. Until in the place of prayer, you discern that God's what God is doing is to give you strength to go through and not necessarily a change of the situation. You just keep praying. You keep praying. Because we know what God's ideal as regards health, finances, persecution, salvation. We know what his ideal is. So we just keep praying. All right. Um, Delight, your question. Yeah. Um, thank you so much, Sadi. This was a question I was thinking about last week. And it is not questioning. It's kind of like a little bit of like, topic, I guess. It's not questioning the legitimacy of the Bible, but it's more I've been thinking that Paul, like, Paul has such a big influence on the Church of Christ and the doctrine of like the present day Christianity. And he had, he just, I've just been 
mulling over it for the past one week. And I know that like whenever like we see things in scripture, there is like we should think about like cor- um, corroboration. Like, okay, if Paul says this thing, and we're like, okay, let's just check if like someone else said it's like back up his point. But I've been thinking like his influence on the body of Christ and like so much of our faith, what we think about grace, faith is based on what Paul said. This one man. And I've just been like thinking, okay, but like for the past 2000 years, probably the elite people and the scholars have been like double checking his words. But I, I see places where he says, I prefer you do this. And I'm like, is this Paul talking? Like, or is like, and obviously it's not me to discern where the Spirit of God is influencing mm-hmm. them. But I've just been thinking over like how much of um, present identity is based on yeah. what Paul yeah. has, and led by God's Spirit, obviously, mm-hmm. has. Um, with those yeah. yeah very great observation uh if you've seen that question where they say if you could talk to someone dead or alive who would it be i don't even think twice it's paul for me paul, <laughs> i love paul i would not even just let me just have one hour with paul i just want to ask him a few questions <laughs> um and you're right the in fact it is also it's actually an attack against christianity if you've listened to atheistic arguments or people that argue against christianity authenticity of the christian faith they're like ah who are you really following paul or jesus and i think it's an uninformed claim but what they are the heart of what they are trying to address is valid in the sense in which no one con- no one contributed more to written christian doctrine in fact in his day to the spread of christianity than paul no one has written more of the new testament than paul in fact paul probably wrote more than all of them combined right and he said it's i've labeled more than they all yet not i right um but a few helpful things to keep in mind uh the first one is that so for instance in uh i don't know if you guys have written like thesis or you did find out your project you know that thing where you're like everything you say must be um first of all you quote other people right like you have to cite people and not only that if you've heard of peer reviews where before a work must be published people must read it and approve of it like other people in the field must review and give their comments um so for starters we know clearly that paul's epistles or paul's message the the church knew like the apostles and the church leadership in jerusalem they knew what he was writing and they knew what he was teaching and they approved his message, right? So we see that in Galatians where he talks about how he went, they gave him the right hand of fellowship. We see it in Acts, right? We see all that. Um, we see Peter even say that Paul writes about these things, some of which I had to understand that um, unlearned and unstable people twisted to their own destruction. And so there's a clear sense in which Paul is not, is not like he's like in one corner molding christianity as he wills we trust not just his inspiration but that the inspiration of the people who were actually with jesus they read and they approved of his writings right so it's not isolated that's the first thing the second is that anywhere paul does not speak by inspiration he actually says it and this is only in first corinthians to the best of my knowledge where he says i'm writing this to you not the lord but i and then he ends by saying, I think I have the spirit of God when I say this, but it's my advice to you when he was talking about uh, marriage and stuff like that and all of that. So um, Paul does not leave us guessing. Any other place he gives commands, instructions or teachings, 
he expects you to receive it by the inspiration of the spirit unless stated otherwise so you don't even have to worry that is paul imposing his preferences or is this actually god's plan for christianity we're going to talk about it a bit more in first timothy where it says i do not permit a woman to teach we're going to do probably one whole teaching on um what is a woman's role in the church of god can women be pastors and stuff like that because paul clearly says i do not permit and for starters we just need to come to text we have to be honest paul says at least to the ephesians in general i do not permit a woman to teach or to have authority so why is paul saying that is that the will of god is it his preference what do we make of that but you're absolutely right no one has contributed more to christian thinking than paul um i mean it's not necessarily the first time in the operations of god the entire old covenant rested on moses right so it's not like it's it's unusually strange in that sense so yeah good good observation good observation any other questions all right no other questions so this officially brings us to the end of 2022 jtt some of us have many hours to go um but thank you all for for the journey through this year second year now um (laughs) it's the end of year rice i'm glad you you stuck through and you heard my voice almost every saturday morning and you were not tired (laughs) like i said we're going again next next saturday first timothy right so get ready there's a lot i love the ministry books timothy timothy titus there's a lot we're going to cover so get ready for that as well as usual if you have any questions always feel free to send me a message send me a voice note if you don't have my number please ask right now in the chat i'm always available um i have question to even answer after as i leave this call now so that's that's what i do for a living <laughs> um oh christina we're glad we're glad you you joined us as well uh of course share with your friends if this has blessed you this year share with someone that needs help with bible so tell them wow we're doing timothy come and join us um share it with people that need help with your bible study and uh Okay, someone doesn't have my number. Um, Ayoshe, anyone that has my number, please just put in the in the chat. Um, we'll share uh they share this question boundary. If it's pertaining to the word of God, ask me. You can't ask me. Uh <laughs> I don't know, but if it's if it's about the Bible, ask me. If it's not about the Bible, if it's life, how does the Bible in fact impact this area? You can still ask me. I'll share my thoughts. All right, uh, I will share my screen. Thank you very much, Ma. It's always a privilege to to see you um, here. So thank you very much. Um, say end of year. We'll do end of year, end of JTT party. We'll do that one. I, I assure you we'll do that one. We might not do end of year now. <laughs> Did our, my wife cook New Year's? No, we're going for dinner, actually. We're going for dinner. So we're having um, dinner and then we'll go watch the crossover service so that's that's our plan for today (laughs) all right so my number is in the chat uh if you want to be added to the broadcast list and you're not there already just send me a message 
and I will do that as well. All right. <laughs> Let me share my screen for the last time in 2022. Let us take our benediction. Unmute yourselves. One, two, go. I am a diligent student and doer of the word. I am a teacher of the word. The word is profitable for my growth. By the word, I am By the word, in the word, my spirit rejoices. Glory to God. Happy, happy, happy end of 2022 and happy new year in advance. Ooh, I'll see you all in 2020. Better, bigger, <laughs> by God's grace. Is this matter? This is fatter or smarter? Which one? I said fatter. Fatter. Uh, faster or fatter? Fatter. Fatter. No. I want to be faster. You will, you will not see me fatter. I have more run. Amen. Yeah. Oh, okay. Um, if it's faster, yes. Fatter, no. <laughs> all right, guys. Have a great um day today. i'll see you all bye, everyone bye bye, bye.